All of the music that you'll hear on today's podcast is from the group out of Seattle, Vamala. This is the Brazilian Beat. Join us as we get to know the Brazilian percussion music making community one interview at a time. Hello, I'm Diana. And this is Courtney. Hello, everybody. Hey there, everybody. Today on the podcast, we have a different a different one today than we normally do. It's not necessarily a straight up interview with a group leader. It's um, we're talking to Dev Namby, and he. Many of you guys know him from Brazil Camp, a super good friend of the show and personal friend of ours. And he um, is on here to talk about how to start a nonprofit or how to turn your group into a nonprofit. I think this is a, a kind of an interesting and valuable topic for this community. So a little bit about Dev's background. He has been playing drums since 1993, and he's played in symphonic band, marching band, jazz band, and various musicals. This sounds like it's a school program. Uh, He stopped playing for a few years in his 20s, and he thinks it's a very silly decision, and he hopes that you will not repeat his silly decision. Since 2014, Dev has been a musician and organizer for the group Famala in Seattle. It's a drum and dance bloco up there. A lot of you guys know about them. He also plays for dance classes around the city. So for the last couple of years, he's been flying all over the United States and Canada, and he's hoping to visit and play with every samba group in North America. Um, You've probably seen him, maybe at your school. You'd recognize him as the guy who shows up for like one rehearsal and then blows out of town. (laughs) He's always like texting me, I'm in the airport and I'm flying to this place, you know. 7.30 7.30 in the morning, and then he gets back and goes to work the next day. It's crazy. When he's not playing music, Dev is a data scientist at the Fred Hutchins Cancer Research Center. You can also uh, go to on his blog, and he talks all about what it's like to be a data scientist, and um, he talks about working at the um, this cancer research center. He does interesting things, so it's like he uses his data science background when he bought his minivan, and he like lays the whole thing out, like how he bought his Samba mobile. And uh, yeah, he's uh, definitely using his um, vast talents for good. He's a giant nerd. For example, this episode isn't really about music. It's all about paperwork. (laughs) Dev wrote that part. But he is a big nerd in the most lovable, wonderful way. I'm really excited to have Dev on the show and... Before we get to the interview, I would like to also plug Go Samba. My, I started a website and a little store. I have been importing drums from Brazil. So if you have any drum needs, any samba needs, just come over to gosamba.net and check it out. I've got new things coming in all the time. I've got some super cute tambourine bags that I think the ladies will like. They are, they are cute. <laughs> they got a little fish and stuff on them. I've got new stuff coming in all the time. I've got alfaya heads that are here now. I've got lots of little pagogi instruments. I've got panderos. I've got uh, hecohecos. I've got all kinds of kaishas and stuff, like some steel hapikis. Oh my god, I'm in love with these things. They sound so good. <laughs> they sound loud, and I haven't even heard them. They are, but they've got such a beautiful ring to them. And then when you hit the side with your stick, like the shell with your stick, it's just got this amazing sound. I freaking love them. It's like my new favorite thing. Aside from the Hapiki Moors, which I also am in love with, those are also amazing. Are you going to be get, going to visit any of your vendors while you're there? 
Yes, I am. I'm going to be going to a bunch of different vendors. So anyway, everybody, enjoy this episode with Deb Namby, and we'll talk to you on the other side. Hey, Courtney. <laughs> How Hello. How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm okay getting over this long holiday weekend. How about yeah. you? Doing good. Um, yeah, same. Long holiday weekend. It's kind of cloudy. It's uh, not getting any better. <laughs> this is what we have to uh, survive for the next couple months. Yeah, we're going to hang in there. We have hot samba in Marica too to keep us going. Exactly. And when you actually have Brazil, so. Uh... <laughs> That's true. That's true. That'll be fun. So the guest today is my one of my favorite people on the planet dev namby welcome to the show i, I was your favorite person on the planet sorry <laughs> well, i said one of one of my favorite people okay all right <laughs> welcome dev hi hello thanks for being here oh I, i'm glad i'm here yeah and your expertise will be good i think um a lot of people have talked about either Having their group as a nonprofit. Well, well, everyone today we're going to talk about um, nonprofits and t how to turn your group into a nonprofit. Dev did that. When was it? Last year? Uh, two years ago now. A couple years. Okay, great. So Dev is here to explain how he went through that process and kind of help you guys line all of that out. But before we get to that, I want to ask Dev a little bit about himself. Dev, tell us about like your experience with with music and with samba and in the group you're playing with now. Sure. Uh, let's see. So I come from a long line of musicians and scientists and uh, basically giant nerds. Um, giant so I, nerds. I, I, I literally grew up underneath a grand piano. That was my mom's. Hmm. Um, and so it was kind of expected of me to play music ever since, ever since, you know, basically being born and started playing drums in, what was it? Fifth grade, something like that. Uh, really enjoyed it. Kept playing in middle school, high school, did jazz band and concert band and marching band and, played in musicals, uh, played for a couple of years in drumline in college, and then finally had to give that up because I didn't have time. Um, and even though I gave it up, I was still sort of like drumming on tables and chairs and anything I could get my hands on, even though I wasn't right. part of a group. And I'd seen Vamala, the, the Seattle Bloco, uh, around for, for years. And finally, about five years ago, um, my ex-wife said, like, you should you know get a hobby, go see if you can have some fun. So I did. I sent a message, showed up, and within a month was playing at some of those some of their smaller gigs, and basically been doing that ever since. Uh, it's been one of the great joys in my life to find this kind of music. What year was that that you started playing with them? Uh, twenty fourteen, I think. Oh, right on. Oh, not that long. No. Hmm. Awesome. Uh, I want to, um, bring up a fun fact about you. You have like one or two Nobel prize winners in your family. Is that true? Two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I, mean, I said I came, freaking amazing. When I said I come from a long line of like academics and scientists and researchers, that's kind of what I mean. Yeah, I know. I wanted you to talk about that. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, this is going to be embarrassing, but the second Nobel Prize winner, I don't actually remember his name. Um, he's like a great uncle twice removed or something like that. Mm. Uh, won the Nobel Prize in, well, I think it was, was 
I think it was biology. It wasn't medicine. It was biology hmm. uh, in the 90s sometime. Um, the person I did meet was my great uncle, uh, Chandrasekhar. Uh, he won the Nobel Prize in Physics f- back in the, I want to say the 80s, like a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And I found this out really, really, uh, uh, not that long ago. He taught Carl Sagan math. What? He was one of his early math teachers. Like in high school or what do you mean? Uh, I think it was his first math teacher in college, like the one who really got him going on like high energy physics and things like that. Wow. Yeah. You're from nerd royalty. I am. Um, I thought Dev could talk a little bit more about um, Vamala. Sure. Well, uh, Vamala is one of those blocos that's sort of been around forever. I think it's I think it started in 1990 or 1991 as Seattle Samba. Uh, for those of you who know Brian Rice, he was actually the very first uh, teacher. Uh, it's so it's been around since then. Has gone through you know a few different dance directors, a few different music directors. And it's very well established, and it's a community group, so anyone can join as long as they can sort of tap to the beat. So Brian started it? Brian Rice started it? Yeah, it was called Seattle Samba. Okay. Ages and ages ago. Um, A guy named Tom Armstrong um, took over as musical director, and I think it was either Oriana or Lizette that took over as dance director back in like 94, 95. I'm probably getting my years wrong there. That was way before my time. Um, They did that for a long time. Our current... Musical music directors and dance directors, Grant Emery, Lisa Fan, and Aaron Hur took over, I want to say about eight years ago. And, and they all kind of at the same time? More or less. Uh, mm. I don't know how this happened, but it seems to go in waves where mm. um, there's like an era and then everybody who's in charge leaves within a year and new people come in. Hmm. Don't know how that happened, but <laughs> that's before my time. Our current group of people is... Still going pretty strong. And about how many members do you have between dancers and musicians? Uh, it depends on the season. Um, our big solstice parade, we usually have about 10, 15 dancers and probably about 40 drummers. Nice. Uh, in winter, it's about half that. But you do, yeah, you do um, rehearse year round. Yep, twice a week. Twice a week, wow. And uh, we keep getting sort of surprised looks whenever we say that. Is it based on like levels or does everybody come? It's not like advanced and beginning or. Um, it's not based on levels. Uh, the Sunday rehearsal is the joint rehearsal. So the dancers are there for the first three hours. The drummers are there for the last two and we have one overlapping hour. So we all rehearse together. Hmm. That's usually recommended for people who know what they're doing. Um, because we don't really have a whole lot of time to stop and like explain parts. The Wednesday rehearsals for musicians and the Thursday rehearsals for dancers, I think, are the more, um, like, ones that are more easily adopted They're for uh, newbies. I think a couple times a week is a good a good way to go. Yeah. Um, the side effect, though, is that a lot of the folks have been there for a while. If we don't play for at least four days, we get a little twitchy. <laughs> uh, I'm actually feeling that right now. We didn't have rehearsal on Wednesday or today because of the Thanksgiving holiday. Right. So I haven't played with the group for since Monday night, and I'm feeling a little twitchy. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what happens on Monday night? Oh, uh, that's me. Um, there is a samba dance class put on by Janelle Campo Verde. She's been doing it for ages. Uh, Nayuki Sawada is the musician 
like lead. There's mm-hmm. like, there's four accompanists or five accompanists, mm-hmm. and they're somehow letting me play with them. I don't know why. Because <laughs> um, you're awesome. I'm easily the uh, most junior, weakest person there as far as as far as musicians go. So it's nice to be able to play with these folks. Yeah, that's cool. And so, before, I mean, prior to this whole nonprofit, what was what was happening? What was the system? What led you to want to go into the nonprofit sector? Oh, sure. Well, uh, for a long time, Vamala was an LLC. Um, so it was a limited liability corporation. I don't really know anything about those specifically versus any other type of like business. Um, I do. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Courtney can tell me all about that. Um, and Grant and one of our old uh, Vamala mus- musicians, Casey Bardu, were basically the folks running like the legal parts of things. Uh, Casey had to leave. He had to move down to California for work reasons. And I basically ended up inheriting his, his like treasure and paperwork guy responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turned out we were actually paying kind of a lot in taxes because paying taxes as a business kind of stinks. Um, even though we weren't making that much money. Hmm. So finally I ended up looking around and be like, and realizing that we could save a ton of money if we just became a nonprofit. Now, do you have to make a certain amount of money uh, to be in LLC? No. Nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and before all this, were members paying dues? How did you work all that part of the finances? Oh, sure. Um, so I think years ago, like more than five, six years ago, members would occasionally pay dues, like quarterly dues, if it was a bad year. We haven't had to do that since. Mm-hmm. Um, we make enough money from gigs to cover uh, all our expenses, which is really nice. Wow, your studio fees, everything like that. Yeah. Nice. Uh, we, we, run, we run a pretty tight ship, so we don't tend to spend a lot of money on things besides stuff like, what is it? I think like 90% of our money goes to uh, space rentals and hiring teachers to come uh, teach. Mm-hmm. And everybody has their own um, instruments, so you don't need to worry about group instruments. Is that true? Um, mostly. We have basically one of each instrument that's a group instrument. And so we'll, and a lot of our musicians, a lot of our folks have spares. So if anyone new shows up, we almost always have a couple of things for them. Uh, but pretty quickly, people end up buying their own. So what prompted you to decide after inheriting? Um... Those responsibilities from Casey, what prompted you to decide to do the nonprofit route? Um, well, we ended up having one bad year where a couple of our really big gigs basically got canceled or mm-hmm. we weren't chosen to play at them. So we're actually running really lean that year. Uh, and we still had to pay kind of a lot, still had to pay a significant chunk in taxes. And at that point, I'm like, okay, this is just ridiculous. We should just do the, do the work hmm. and switch to being a nonprofit. Hmm. It turns out it's actually not too hard. That's why we have you here today, because you're the only person <laughs> I've ever heard say that. And if if I can ask you about the group dynamic about this, was there any opposition, sure. or was everybody kind of all for it? Um. Well, there were a bunch of questions. The big question was, how does this change how the group behaves? 
Like, does it change how gigs work, how rehearsals work? And the answer is no, mm-hmm. absolutely not. We're ch- not changing any of that. Mm-hmm. And at that point, people didn't, a lot, of, most of our members didn't care. Right. So like, great. We'll just keep going. We don't care. You're doing all the work. Right. Um, our steering committee, who's the five of us that lead the group, uh, we had some questions about like, what are the risks? What are the, what are the trade-offs? How much work is it going to be, et cetera? Um, Nothing really big. And you've taken the brunt of the paperwork and all that. Yeah. When I said I'm the paperwork guy, I meant that kind of literally. (laughs) You should move to Portland and be our paperwork guy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, with an offer like that, how could I possibly refuse? There's no money in it, but yeah. Oh, yeah. So let's get into it. So Dev has made this um, document that we're going to provide in the show notes that you guys can kind of um, look through. And, you know, we'll talk about this today, but you can go back and reference um, if you decide this is something that, that you think you want to do. And and it kind of starts out with the background of what a nonprofit is and then the benefits and then the limitations. Can we let's let's start there. Sure. Well, um I'll start with saying that this is for uh, U.S. groups. If there's any groups in Canada that want to do make a Canadian nonprofit, I have no idea what to do. Good luck. Um, so this is for U.S. groups trying to create a nonprofit, which is a 501c3, which are the kinds that are the most widely recognized. Uh, and it turns out that they're not that hard to create, especially if your goal is either education or the arts. Is it easier if you already, you know, like you were already an LLC? Like, is it, does that make any difference whether, you know? Actually, that makes it harder. Oh, really? Um, so there's two ways to do it. One one way is you create a new nonprofit. The second is you convert an existing uh, company into a nonprofit. If you're creating a new one, you just have to say, you know, here's what our mission is. Here's our new board of directors. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, and this, and the IRS and whoever else looks at it just sort of takes it at face value. If you're doing a conversion, you have to prove that you were doing that in the past. What are you doing? What in the past? Uh, so, for example, if you're converting an LLC to be a to be a nonprofit that's focused on like the arts, you have to prove that you were mostly a nonprofit before. Oh, okay. So we just made a new one, um, changed the name. So we went from Vamala Samba LLC to Vamala Brazilian Music and Dance. Oh, okay. So it's technically a new company name. You dissolved your LLC. Yeah, after we were all done. Gotcha. Um, right. Benefits and limitations. Uh, aside from the setup paperwork, the benefits are actually really nice. The first is you basically don't pay income taxes. Mm-hmm. Um. I think you do have to pay income taxes if you make over several million dollars, which I'm guessing is not a problem for anyone listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and if you make less than $250,000 every year, which I'm guessing is, again, most of us who are listening to this, uh, your tax returns are all basically you can fit them on an, on a, on an index card. It's nothing. Hmm. Um, you also don't have to account for all your expenses. You should anyway but they don't keep close track. Hmm. Uh, and the big thing is you're eligible for grants. Um, so any place that is willing to, that offers grants for like arts groups, for cultural groups, 
um, or educational groups, you could probably apply for it and you have a good chance of getting it if you write a good grant. Do you do that part too? Um, I help with that part. That's actually a ton of a ton of work uh, if you do yeah. a lot of grant writing. Yeah. And creative writing is not my forte. So I tend to sort of farm that out to other people who are willing to do it. Does that become, so here's one of my questions too, is that become, once you get a grant, sometimes the the agency giving out the grant wants a lot of paperwork and, and feedback on what you've been doing mm-hmm. with their money. Has that been a major pain or is? Um, it has been a little f- annoying. It hasn't been a major pain yet. So a couple times when we've gotten grants from the city, we've we've had to uh, find out the address of every single person who comes to these, who comes to like a, a paid for workshop. Oh my! Wow. So we can so we can prove that it's spread throughout the city. <laughs> oh man! Um, and to get expenses reimbursed, we have to get receipts for everything. Right. Sure. Uh, and you have to submit them in a specific way and by a specific time. Like there's some hoops to jump through to get reimbursed that way. So wait, these are to get reimbursed off the grant. Yes. I see. Yeah. So for example, our big solstice parade, the group that actually puts on the solstice parade has grants for people, for groups that are, that are playing or putting on an art show or something like that. Hmm. Hmm. And we've applied for the last two years and we've actually gotten grants for the last two years which has been really nice because this is a, fr- a big free gig that we do. And because we're getting groups from all up and down the West coast, it's kind of expensive to do. Like the Arcada group is paying hundreds of dollars to drive up Arcada just for gas. Right, right. And so being able to reimburse them for that, it's a really great thing. Right. And having like all those costumes that, you know, you guys had pretty elaborate costumes, a lot of work went into yes. a lot of materials and they were really cheap. Like, you know, normally you have to pay a little bit, but it was like 10 bucks or something for this whole yeah, you guys really threw together a cool, cool thing. Yeah, I think this year we managed to pay for the vast majority of the costumes. I think it was under ten dollars mm-hmm. for each person. Yeah. Um, because uh, one of my be- very best friends, Amity Femia, took care of all the costumes and all the costume design, so we just paid for materials. Right. Hey, Amity. <laughs> Hello out there. Hello. <laughs> Love you. Move back to the West Coast. Seriously. <laughs> All right, cool. Hey, Dev, I have a question just like as far as yeah. um, kind of bookkeeping. What kind of – how do you guys keep track of everything? Do you like use like QuickBooks or how, what do you guys use like as a um, We don't actually have that many transactions. Mm-hmm. We have like five or six a month. So it's basically a, a, Google, a Google spreadsheet that oh, I've got okay. sitting around. Okay. Um, if you've got a bigger group or a group with more complicated expenses, I'm guessing QuickBooks would work. I've never used it, but I was just thinking that it might be something that people could use. Yeah. Cool. I'm learning QuickBooks oh, yeah. online. It's, I mean, everybody says it's easy. I think it's easy if you spend a lot of time on it, but I have not. <laughs> so I just go in there and get frustrated and leave. So <laughs> I have a bookkeeper that does it for me, but I really should learn mm-hmm. it myself. I don't think it's actually too crazy hard, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where were we here? Cool. So uh, I think, we got through the benefits, right? So now we're on to right limitations. Limitations. Uh, let's see. There's probably three categories of limitations. Um, the first is because you're a nonprofit, you can't make profit. 
So you can't give out shares, you can't give out dividends, you can't give out stock, anything like that. You can't sell a share of the business. Uh, again, if anybody in the Samba group is doing this, I have some real serious questions about <laughs> what you're trying to do. Yeah, Samba stock. <laughs> yeah. Um, the main limitation for musical groups is if you ever hit it big and start, you know, get like a platinum album doing tours and stuff, a nonprofit is a serious headache. I'm not sure any of the... I don't think that's going to care. Community groups yeah, could no. even pull that off. Yeah, yeah no. Um, so that's the first one. Uh, the second one is conflict of interest, which is the people who are running a nonprofit are the board of directors. And basically by custom, and I think possibly by law, they can't be paid or not be paid very much. Hmm. So there's, I know there's some somber groups where they have like a professional dance director, a professional music director, or both that are paid. They probably couldn't be on the board or not very easily. Hmm. Um, you can certainly have a nonprofit with staff. That happens all the time. Yeah, sure. So if you have paid uh, directors or paid staff, there's some additional work you should do to see what's the best setup for that. So with Bloco Alegria, we are an LLC, and there's always this big push at the end of the year to spend all the money so it doesn't look like we made any money so that we don't have to pay any taxes. And I guess that's not what you guys did then, because it sounds like you ended up paying taxes. Yeah, we were mostly using – so if we had a good year, we would try and save uh, the extra as a buffer for whenever we had a lean year. That's, that's happened before. Um, so we'd end up paying taxes on the extra. Mm-hmm. You can certainly try and like spend all the money you've made in the year so you don't have to pay taxes. But, I mean, there's trade-offs to that. You can end up yeah. buying a bunch of drums, and then if you have a really lean year, you're in serious trouble. <laughs> Sell the drums. <laughs> <laughs> That doesn't strike me as a particularly great way to run to run a samba group, but sure. We're selling all our gear. Uh, yeah. Um, so the other part of it. So in the end, at say at the end of this um, fiscal year, or not the end of this fiscal year, this the end of this calendar year, you guys are just gonna do what you do and not necessarily try to buy a ton of stuff. You mean Vamala or yes, Loco yeah. Alegria? No. Uh, Vamala is a, a nonprofit. We don't have to do it. We don't have to do that at all. But if you're not allowed to make a profit. Oh. Then um, you have thousands of dollars left over. Sure. You're allowed to. Uh, yeah. Stumped him. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose te- that is technically making a profit, but I think there's some sort of business term where it doesn't count. Um, we're not allowed to like distribute the money out. Yeah. Gotcha. That's probably the big one. So if a business does a really good year, they can like give bonuses or people can, can mm-hmm. take a big page, like get a big, uh, get a lot more money as like a salary increase or things like that. You can't really do that with a nonprofit. But you're, you're able to hold it over till the next year. Oh, sure. Okay. Hmm. Um, I think the craziest examples I think of this are insurance companies. So the two big insurance companies in Washington state are nonprofits and they have like a couple billion dollars each in savings. Hmm. How is that not considered profit? I don't know. (laughs) Hmm. Especially because they actually have like 
really highly paid CEOs and it's somehow they're still able to make it work? Probably because they have lawyers. <laughs> well, you guys need a lawyer. You don't have any lawyers there? Uh, <laughs> we do have a couple of people who are friends of the group who are lawyers. I, again, I don't want to go there. That's a lot of extra I'm just, work. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hey everybody, this is Courtney. I'm butting in here for a second because I followed up on with this um, question with a friend of mine who runs a nonprofit. Well, it's Tadim Dia Bridges. She runs um, the Derek Reith Foundation, which is a nonprofit here in Portland that does free drumming camps for kids during the summertime. It's a wonderful program. Um, everybody should go support it. If you're looking for a charity to support, she's amazing. But uh, I was talking to her about this issue and she was telling me that 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 nonprofits can make a profit, but it all has to be earmarked for something. So if she holds money over, it just has to be, well, this is going to be, you know, money for the camp, or I'm sure it's more specific than that. But, um, and I'm sure the reason, I mean, I'm assuming the reason why big insurance companies who are nonprofits have to keep such huge amounts of money is because just in case they have to do a huge insurance payout, otherwise they would go bankrupt. But, um, so anyway, that is my comment about that. And, now I'll let you get back to the show of Diana is about ready to ask Dev about board of directors. And how did you go about um, obtaining your um, board? Oh, sure. Uh, well, before we got started, the five people in charge of Amala are the two musical directors and the two dance directors and me, the paperwork guy. Um, and we just kept that. Mm-hmm. So we basically have two presidents or as co-presidents, which are our musical director, our dance director. Um, Mitch, uh, our assistant director, is our secretary. I'm the treasurer. And Lisa, who is our, our other dance director, is basically just a, a director. So there's the five of us that run things. Mm-hmm. So that was easy. That was already there. And doesn't it have to be like three, three or it more? It should be at least three. Um you need to have at least a president, a secretary, and a treasurer to be a nonprofit. You should honestly have more than that, but three is the minimum. Uh, let's see. And for like a mm-hmm. Samba group, is there much for them to do? No. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not really. Um, this gets to the last bit, which is there are some like nonprofit uh, basically requirements to to stay to basically to stay a nonprofit. Uh, the first is you need to have a board of directors, and for that to, for that to work well, you need to figure. You actually have to write down in the legal documents how people get elected to, to the board, what happens if one resigns, how you remove somebody, things like that. We've actually never had to deal with that ourselves, mm-hmm. but it can be a thing for some groups. Sure, and it, it can come up at any moment. I mean, yeah. It's nice to have that written down. Yes. Everybody knows. Uh, and a nonprofit has to have a certain number of meetings every year. So there has to be one annual meeting where the minutes are posted publicly. Uh, and there usually needs to be a few more. I think four is the recommended minimum. Where do you post the meeting notes publicly? Like on your website? Um, that's one way. We've done it as a Google Doc sometimes. Um, but how is it How is it linked? How does the public have access to it, I guess? You know, I'm not sure because we don't put it on our main website because our main website is basically for advertising. Mm-hmm. So we technically aren't doing that. We have a Google Doc that, where the link is public, but it's hard to find. Vamala is going to get arrested. Yes, we are in serious <laughs> trouble. Look what we've done. <laughs> 
We'll give you a chance to post them before we. <laughs> oh, no worries. It, it, we can post that on the I, website, I the, Courtney, in the show notes. I think the main thing is if anybody wants to, if anybody asks, they have to be able to get it quickly. Gotcha. Yeah. And are there are there ways that you could jeopardize your your status? Um. Or certain activities, like if you do like a certain kind of gig that might, I don't know, somehow affect your status. Not really. Uh, so if you're a nonprofit, there are some basic requ- requirements. Um, you can't get, you, again, you can't make profit. Probably the big one is you can't, uh, you can't advertise or advocate for a specific political candidate. So oh, interesting. Didn't even thought about that. Um, Don't churches do that all the time? I'm going to <laughs> quietly. Sh- I'm not going to quietly say nothing. <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, it's it's perfectly fine for a nonprofit to make it to take it like an issue to advocate for things like gun control or education or hmm. like more funding for the arts. Um, no problem there. It's also fine to play at a political rally if you're being paid. Oh, so if Bernie Sanders pays you, you can do it. But if he asks us to donate, to donate our time to him, I don't know if we could easily. I'd have to check. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, That actually hasn't come up for us yet. (laughs) (laughs) Donald Trump hasn't asked you guys to play for him for free. Oh God. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I just on. ate. Please don't. <laughs> I have this very strict, like, do not play for fascist rules. So I'm just going to say that's <laughs> never going to happen. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um. So, you, did you guys have to say that you had elections then, or um, did you guys have to have elections? We had. Well, we had to list an initial board of directors, which were the five of us. And, uh, and this goes into basically the setup part of this document. So you have to create what's called an articles of incorporation, which is basically a legal document that creates a company. Right. right. Uh, in this case, it creates a nonprofit. And part of that includes the rules for the elections. So for example, how often are people, how long do people serve for? Like, I think for us, it's like a three-year term or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, how do people get elected? How do they get reelected? Um, how can you remove someone? Any of that stuff. Right. And a lot of this stuff, t- tell me if I'm wrong. Like, there's, you know, forms online that you can download and then just modify to fit your needs. Oh, yeah. You don't need to just know this and come up with it on your own. So it's 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 actually fairly simple. It sounds hard. Oh, no, I need to come up with articles of cor- incorporation. But there's like things online that you can you can use as guides kind of like you know resume template or whatever yes you with all this stuff yeah i had to find some templates i actually linked to them into that doc oh, nice. uh, they're, they're specific to washington state but you can do a google search and find them for whatever state you're in and it's basically yeah it's like fill in the blank um uh, i made a list of things you have to do probably the the two big ones are you have to pick a name like a legal name and you have to pick a, a mission statement uh, and the mission statement is here's what your nonprofit's going to be doing. Everything that falls underneath that mission statement counts. Everything that doesn't fall underneath that mission statement, you shouldn't be doing at all. Right. So 
I think we actually have two. The big one for us is to educate the public about Brazilian music and dance. So that's easy. Everything we do to play, everything we do to teach people counts as educating the public. Right, right. It's nice and vague. Yes. Broad. Broad. And, yeah. <clears throat> I like this. Number four, decide who's going to be doing most of the paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's true. <laughs> Yeah, somebody does have to be, like, motivated to make it happen, for sure. Yeah. Um, there are some really good books on how to do this. I actually re- I actually linked to the one that I used. I basically got it from the local library. Cool. Nonprofit Corporation National, step-by-step? Yep. Great. Uh, so most of the stuff I'm talking about here, I basically learned from that book, and I'm parroting it back to you, so I sound smart. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> And then you, it's a, you said that you have to have a mailing address, but you could use a P.O. box. That is not true for for LLCs, I know. You cannot use a P.O. box. You have to have a physical Well, that's right. You have to use yours. Address, yeah. Um, you can – I'm pretty sure you can use a P.O. box. You don't have to. We just – I just use my house. No one cares. Yeah. Uh, okay, take it back. It matters a little bit in that um, you have to get a business license for your, for your company, for your nonprofit – and that happens, and you have to get a business license for the city or county that you're in. Right. So because I live just north of Seattle up in Shoreline, I had to get a Shoreline business license. Gotcha. It's the same. Even though the group is based out of Seattle. Uh, most of our activities Upper. happen in Seattle. The group's from all over this is from all over the city. Mm, okay. Are you considered in the city of Seattle? Or like, you know, when you, when, like you were saying, you have to find addresses for everybody that came to this workshop or whatever sure does does that count or if everybody lives outside the you know uh it depends on the grant they will all have their that's just for that's just for a grant it depends on what their specific rules are gotcha so there are some city of seattle grants that we can't apply for because we're not based there right not many most of our stuff is through the county Mm-hmm. Just because that's the way the city that's the way the the Seattle metropolitan area is set up. Most of the arts funding is through the county. Gotcha. Cool. So then, like with legal paperwork, um, right? Did you go? Did you consult a lawyer? No. Um, our stuff is actually relatively simple, so we didn't. So we actually didn't need to, because it sounds like you did your homework too. Like you, yeah, yeah. So we didn't. We don't have paid staff. All our board of directors are, are volunteers, and they're and, they're and we've got a pretty stable like governance structure. Oh, and we don't have members. That's a thing. Um, some nonprofits you can have members, and the members can vote for in in board elections. Uh, if you do that, you basically have to define what's a member. How do they? How does someone join to become a member? How do they get kicked out? Who's eligible to vote? who can run uh, for a board position, all that stuff. Um, gotcha. We skipped all of that because our group is basically a benevolent dita- dictatorship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so our rules are the five the directors are in charge and we basically get to appoint new people. Um, from a practical standpoint, I don't think it's going to matter. Uh, our group is isn't run through the legal system in any way. So if we end up needing, an, an, let's say, 
goodness forbid, if we end up needing a new musical director, please don't leave Grant. Um, we would probably take a show of hands or something. I don't know. Right. right. It wouldn't be uh, arbitrary. Okay. I'm now knocking on wood because I'm really hoping that <laughs> never happens. Right. I think Grant's got some life in him. Yeah. You haven't drained him yet. <laughs> um, one of the nice things about being in an established group like Vamala is the roles are pretty well defined. So Grant has a full-time job and he has two kids and he's married and all that stuff. So he leads rehearsals and gigs and that's basically it. Like he's the final authority on stuff, but all the paperwork and minor stuff he leaves to other people. Gotcha. So he's actually not that busy, which is really nice. So what's the paperwork work like for the 501c3 then? Like how, where do you find that? Do you just find it online and fill it yeah, out and mail it in? Or how does much. that? Um, there is, so to apply for a, so there's basically two things you need to do to create a, a 501c3. There's the federal like IRS approval and there's your state approval. Uh, the federal approval happens first. And to do that, you basically have to fill out a form you can download and fill out and send that along with your articles of incorporation to the IRS and then basically wait a month and a half. Yeah, I see the step five. Wait. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I applied in like, what was it, like the end of October and we got it back at the end of January, something like that. Okay. Um, and what happens is the IRS will basically send a send a form back, being like, "Oh, your your educational or arts thing, sure, check. Here's a tax number." Gotcha. And you take that letter, and you can use that letter to basically create a company with the state, a nonprofit with the state. Oh, so you got to do the federal first. Yeah, federal first, state second, and once you have both of those, you can do things like create bank accounts. Gotcha. Is it pretty easy to do for Washington? It was pretty. Oh, it took it took a day and a half. Uh, most yeah. of that was just waiting for them to email me. It was nothing. Yeah. Okay. Um, same thing with getting a bank account. I just took the articles of incorporation, took the IRS letter, took the state business license, showed up at a bank, and they're like, "Oh, okay. Please deposit twenty bucks." Right. Right. And do each of your members have um, access to the account? Or no. Or just the treasurer? No. Uh, right now, it is just Grant and I. Mm -hmm. um our dancers don't actually aaron and lisa don't have access to the finances although they're absolutely welcome to at any point like um mostly it's a hassle so they leave it to me <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. that's kind of the way i think it is in blockwell agree we have like a couple people that handle all the llc stuff and the finances and nobody else wants to right <laughs> be involved yeah yeah, and write the checks and, and accept checks and all that stuff, but yeah. Yeah, a lot of people almost everyone I talk to in these in these sorts of groups, the people who are doing the paperwork aren't seen as having positions of power. They're seen as having basically like extra chores to do. Mm hmm For sure. I don't know if I'm asking this at the right time, but mm -hmm. um how do how does all this affect who gets gigs or can only do only certain people um, look into gigs? How does that work for you? You mean for people hiring us for gigs? So say if like a member in, in the, in Vamala says, Oh, I heard about this great gig that we could do, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. 
being a nonprofit, is is there somebody that is the go-to person that takes care of that? Oh. Uh, Does that make sense? Yes. We have uh, – so at Nivana Law, at least it's Mitch and I that take care of all the bookings. Mm-hmm. That's just habit basically. Nothing about the nonprofit changes that. Mm-kay. So again, as long as you're not dealing with anything political, nobody cares. You, you can get gigs the same way as always. Hmm. And has being a nonprofit increased your visibility? Has it, has it, uh, or has it done the opposite? Uh, yes. It's actually increased our visibility in some nice ways. Um, How does that? that work? So there's a bunch of like places like the, like the city and the county will make lists of arts nonprofits. And we can get on that list really easily. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. So that's one way. Um, the second way is sometimes you'll have these big sort of like citywide fundraisers for nonprofits. We can actually sign up for those and be eligible to receive funds if anyone wants to donate to us. Has that – have have those two things in reality worked out to be – like noticeably beneficial? Uh, the second one, no. The whole like getting donations to us, not really at all. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The listing on arts organizations, that actually has gotten us gigs sometimes, hmm. uh, especially from other cities. So a lot of our local cities oh. and, and like neighborhood groups and stuff will look more favorably on a nonprofit than a, than a business. Hmm. Interesting. Um, two things that did really help us. I didn't put this in here. The first is uh, – Amazon has that whole Amazon smile thing mm-hmm. where oh, you yeah. can buy stuff and one or 2% of it gets donated to a nonprofit of your choice. And you guys are on there. Yes, we're on there. So Good job, Grant. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, anyone can do it. Um, uh, they didn't like us. <laughs> oh, are you nonprofit? No. That's, but that's why. That, no, if you mean for the podcast? Yeah. That's different. But that, it wasn't. That's yeah, like it an associates fun. program or yeah. affiliate or whatever. That's different. We just didn't have enough people clicking on it fast enough. Oh, and we yeah, got that's kicked different. off, and it happened twice. Yeah. <laughs> we blame you guys, the <laughs> listeners. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, we should try it again and do like an actual push and tell everybody it's yeah. coming, and then make it happen. Then maybe we could. And buy a bunch of stuff and then return it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I don't actually know if that gets taken away. I That'd don't be know. interesting. Yeah. Well, supposedly, sure. if they click on your link and uh-huh. they go, even if if no matter what they buy in the next thirty days, it gets huh. credited to you. Whoa! Unless they clicked on somebody else's link in the meantime, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Okay. So yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah, that's different than the, than the nonprofit one. The nonprofit one is. If anything, if, as long as you go to like AmazonSmile.com or Smile.Amazon.com or something like uh-huh, that, uh-huh. all your Amazon purchases, one or 2% of it goes to the nonprofit you've chosen. So okay. a bunch of our members did that. So we usually get, you know, 50, 80 bucks a month just That's basically nice. for free. That's nice. Um, I'm actually wondering now what happens if we if one of us buys like a really expensive TV and returns it? Do we get 1% of that? <laughs> <laughs> what, um... <laughs> I don't, I didn't, whenever I've seen that smile program, it's always, it always seems like it chooses the nonprofit for me. It's always like the World Wildlife Fund or something. It's like, there's a default, to go to that. there's a default one, but you can choose whatever nonprofits on there. Ah, okay. Um, cool. So that's one really big benefit. The other really big benefit is there are a small number of companies where if you, if you volunteer with a nonprofit, they'll pay the nonprofit. 
if you volunteer with a nonprofit, they pay the nonprofit. What do you mean by that? So uh, this happened for me when I was at Microsoft. I would volunteer with Habitat for Humanity uh-huh. for like a day. Uh-huh. And Microsoft and I would log my hours with Microsoft. Oh, I see. And Microsoft, Microsoft would basically would pay Habitat Humanity like nineteen bucks an hour for every hour I was there. Wow. Hmm. So they got the work and the money. Yes. Cool. Because we're a nonprofit, any anyone that vo- that volunteers with us, which means plays with us. Yeah, if they like grant at Amazon, could he Amazon is notoriously stingy and doesn't do it. Oh. <laughs> um, however, T- uh, Mitch works at T-Mobile that d- right. where they do do it. And so because he's volunteering with us, he's putting in a bunch of time being a, being an assistant director. We basically get $1,000 a year for him. Right being now he just like had a baby, right? So he's like, <laughs> yeah, uh, <not> it'll <laughs> still happen because th- like, oh, nice. because the number of hours, it's basically capped at $1,000 for T-Mobile, but the number of hours it takes to get to a thousand is like two months is like his summer with us. That's it. Wow. Um, that's crazy. We have a couple people that work for like Nike and uh, yeah, they might do it. Interesting. So that point them being with you pays, which is awesome. Hmm. You guys have a couple people at Intel. Yeah. Wow. Cool. That's amazing. Yeah, we, we basically stumbled on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we stumbled across that and it really helped. Wow, yeah. Because at that point, if we had, you know, five people in the group who were at these companies, we basically wouldn't need gigs anymore. So do they basically <laughs> play, pay whatever your salary is or whatever you make? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was making more than $19 an hour at Microsoft and that's what they were paying. Gotcha. Habitat for me. They have like a certain cap i guess yeah. yeah gotcha cool my mind is blown i just need to sit with that for a second <laughs> <laughs> very cool mm-hmm. yeah so i see here like other things to benefit you you can get discounts at event spaces and vendors and things like that sure so what are what are some examples of what you guys have done with that? So, um, not a not a whole lot. We haven't done this very much. Probably the main thing is we've we've thrown a couple of like fundraising parties at times, and we've gotten local breweries to basically donate kegs. Mm-hmm. Because if you donate to a nonprofit, whatever the value is that you're donating is a tax deduction or can right. be a tax deduction. Right. So if a brewery is like, yeah, here's a keg, we'll take a tax deduction. And we'll look good because, you know, we'll, we'll pitch for them and say thank you to, you know, so-and-so brewery for giving us money and beer. Right. Um, so vendors will do that sometimes. Uh, some some restaurants and caterers will occasionally do that. I think here in Portland, Diana, I know that Mark at 2PDX used that. It was like Lagunitas. Is that who it was? That has like an event space and they donated a bunch of kegs and stay and like oh. wait staff to like wait on everybody. Um, it was um, Lagunitas. Yeah. Wow. Lagunitas Brewery. They've got like a room that that's kind of set up for that. Yeah. It's called yeah. It's called a community community house or community space, something like that. Community room. That's what it is. Yeah. It was really. It was a nice. The walls and the place wasn't necessarily good for music because it was like <laughs> glass, glass walls, super high but ceiling a- and hard concrete floor. But um, it was a nice space though. I mean, it was yeah, big and yeah, nice. 
Um, yeah, as far as like saving money, there's basically two categories. There's you'll occasionally will occasionally get discounts or donations. The second is there are some things that we're eligible for that almost no one else is. So sometimes you can get like a free. What is it? Um, I think at one point, like Uber was giving like free rides for nonprofits up to a certain amount, <laughs> something like that. Wow, cool. Uh, so occasionally you'll get be able to get you know free stuff that way. Uh-huh. We don't need very much, so I don't keep close track, but it's certainly there. Right, right. Hmm. For your people who are writing grants for you, mm-hmm. what are the skills it takes for grant writing? Would you say? Creative writing, um, you mentioned before. Creative writing, for sure. Um, that's probably the big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, because whoever is awarding a grant basically wants to know that if they're going to give you money, it'll be used for their cause. Yeah, sure. So you have to be able to say, oh, this event that we're doing or this or this class that we're offering is for the cause you're talking about because of X, Y, and Z, and you have to do it in a convincing way. Right. Um, sure. So it's partly creative writing and it's partly, uh, I guess, paperwork in that sometimes they're like, you have to, uh, you can only use expenses for certain things and you have to be able to prove that. Sure. So that's not the grant writing parts of things. That's the, that's afterwards. Grant writing is mostly creative writing. When we interviewed, um, Holly Prest mm-hmm. uh, from Juba Du Liao. I think I said that correctly. She was like mm-hmm. episode three, I think. She talked about, she got a really nice arts grant and um, she did a video blog, I guess, essentially like did a bunch of really cool videos of how they were spending the money and using it. And as they were creating mm-hmm. their um, show for the year, it was really cool. I mean, I enjoyed watching those. Um, videos i wonder how many how many organizations are open to that kind of obviously there's paperwork for the reporting of the actual receipts and things like that but for the kind of recounting what you're doing with the money i wonder if that's acceptable sure that's kind of an anomaly i don't know um i don't think that would work to get you reimbursed but well of course that's not that's not what i mean but it would probably be a nice thing to give back to any grant organization because they can use it for their fundraising or for their reporting and be like, look, here's what, here's the impact we made on this community. Yeah. They were super cool. There's like 12 videos and they just show how they made the fabric. Like they bought all this white yeah. fabric and dyed it in all these different colors and made patterns. And they had these amazing costumes and they made this huge lion puppet and went through the whole process of how the artist they hired to make the puppet went, you know, did everything. It was really cool. It's linked on our website for Holly press episode. If you guys awesome. want to check it out. Yeah. Very cool. Anyway, wow. Do you have any other advice for people? Um, probably the thing to remember is it's. it took me about 30 hours, a bunch of that was reading that book, uh, mm. to, to set up the LLC over the course of three months. Once I had that done, my work actually went down because taxes get easier. Grant writing is something I can farm off to people. Um, it's basically the same as always at that point. Hmm. So it's just the taxes, setup. Yeah, your taxes are a lot easier. All that stuff. Oh yeah. Do you guys had? Do you guys have an accountant or like a bookkeeper or something? Or you guys, you do that all that yourself? No, it's all me. Oh yeah, you said you had the Google Doc. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, there was something I was going to ask and I forgot. What is it, Diana? Oh, I wanted to talk about, so you were talking about the back end of once you do get the um, grants. Um, say you have an artist you're bringing in and you're doing workshops. Mm-hmm. How do you have, is there a certain way you have to document um, what you're bringing in or how they're paid or any of that? Uh, as a nonprofit or for a grant? Because as a nonprofit, not really. For um, the grant itself. I'm sure it's different for each grant, probably. It's different for each grant. It depends on how you do it. We did that once um, where we brought in to do, and we actually had a couple of public workshops for anybody who wanted to show up. Mm-hmm. And we basically had to uh, make a pitch for why he's worth bringing. Like, what does he offer that we can't get anywhere else? And uh, what the impact of the community would be, and like, who, and that was actually the one where we actually had to keep track of who came from every single, like, what was the address of every single place, mm-hmm. um, because the the county paid for it, and they basically wanted proof that it wasn't all going to like one neighborhood. Hmm. Uh, and oh, and we had to do a specific amount. We had to do a certain amount of advertising. We couldn't just say, "Oh, it's a public event," and not tell anyone. Uh, so we had to spend we had to spend part of our money on like like Facebook ads and hmm. things like that. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, again, that was specific to that grant. Mm-hmm. So I guess after all is said and done, is is your group happy with the nonprofit status? Yeah. Um, I actually wonder how many people actually know that we are. I don't bring it up very often. <laughs> so when somebody joins the group, it's not like, oh, hey, we're a nonprofit, blah, blah, blah. No. It's listed on our website that we're a 501c3 if anyone wants to go looking, but we don't tell people. Mm-hmm. Um, you should because then they'll buy that stuff from Amazon and get you guys more money. You know, I should do that. That's a good point. Yeah. We, have, we have like 10 new members this year. I should yeah, tell them all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's like a really good point. No, most people, when they show up, they're like, how do I learn how to play this stuff? Sure. Or how do I learn the dance choreo? Of course. Huh, very cool. Dev, is there anything else you'd like to share either about like this process, how it was for you, or just about yourself in general? Or the group? Um, well, I'm just going to give a pitch for Solstice, because of course I'm going to, because it's our, it's our <laughs> awesome. best gig. Yeah, good. Uh, the Fremont Solstice Parade in Seattle is always usually the weekend right before Solstice in summer. So it's in the middle of June. And for the last several years, we've had basically an open call. Anyone who wants to show up can come and play. We'll have drums for you. We'll help you with costumes. We usually get the groups from Vancouver, BC, all the way down to Arcata to drive up and join us. Um, Portland's certainly welcome to as well. <laughs> uh, hey, I was there. <laughs> yes, you were. I've done it like four times. Yeah. Um, this last year was our probably our best ever because we had Dudu Fuentes here. So he came up in March taught us a bunch of material and then went around teaching it to all the other groups. And so we had a couple of really big rehearsals and did this amazing parade, which it feels like half the city shows up for. It's about three hours long. And the whole time there's just this incredible crowd. They're on rooftops, they're dancing. Um, This last year, I think it was about 75 drummers and about 25 dancers, something like that. Mm -hmm. It was a nice group. We sounded really tight. Um, 
it's basically the biggest bateria I've seen outside of outside of camp and Brazil. Yeah, it was fun. And a, a little bit about the event is that it's it's held in Fremont, which is a super liberal part of the West Coast, maybe only second to areas of San Francisco. And they like tried to secede from the United States like back in the 70s. <laughs> They've got a huge statue of Lenin in the middle of the city. And what the whole reason, well, part of the reason for the parade is they do a naked, a huge naked bike ride. So there's all these naked people riding around their bikes. And then a bunch of the city comes out for this really kind of fun, wild time, but it also it doesn't sound family friendly, but it is. It's quite it's quite fun, and everyone's happy, and it's a really jazzed up crowd. So it's a fun event for that reason. Yeah, the two rules for the Solstice Parade are no logos and no writing. Oh, that's right. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's an arts parade for sure. You'll see incredibly creative groups. There's always like a flying spaghetti monster. There's like like a two story tall a basically inflatable world that's rolling down, it's rolling down the street. There's some amazing art that you'll see yeah. and everyone just shows up and has fun. Yeah. And yeah, at the beginning are all the naked body painted cyclists. So if you look up a search for the Fremont Solstice Parade, you'll see like four photos of the later groups and like a thousand photos, of all the cyclists. Yeah, naked people. <laughs> 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 oh, that's funny. It's true. Yeah. But you, I forgot about that. Yeah. We do have to cover up like the logos on their drums and stuff. Yeah shoes and everything yep. yep two years ago we had a bunch we were going as the march of mad science we had a bunch of like biohazard stickers that actually said biohazard and we got in trouble with free- with the oh. arts council because they're like you you were using words oh. don't ever don't do that again oh. <laughs> yeah don't use your words oh interesting i didn't know that Cool. Yeah, it's a fun event. I will second. And so, that. if people are interested, they can reach out to you, or there's a, a team of people, isn't there? Yes, usually. Uh, there's a team of people. Um, we don't really start planning it until the beginning of the year when we start working on themes and stuff. Uh, but anyone's welcome to come look uh, check with me. There's also a website called blocopacifico.com. I will include a link. Um, and there's also like if yeah. you're the director of a group and you want to bring a bunch of people from your group. Um, oh yeah, get absolutely. on the list of directors, and they'll send you all the materials so you can teach your people. Yeah, start uh, early on. We start actually working on material. I think that's basically in the middle of March. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, if you're a director of a group, if you want to bring up your group, absolutely get in touch with me. We'll put you in. T- we'll help you get everything set up. It's a really fun time. We actually had folks from as far away as Austin this last time, and that was a lot of fun. Oh yeah, that's right. I talked to somebody in Pittsburgh, I think it was, who I have half interested in coming. So, Yeah, I'm always pitching at camp, and uh, people who have to buy a plane ticket usually don't want to show up. I think that everyone that I've talked to at camp always is like, you should come to our big event, you know, fill in the blank. and <laughs> yeah, It's like a big pitch <laughs> event for everybody in their big event. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it often works. Yeah, like, yeah. I was down in Arcata for North Country Fair, and that was a lot of fun. Yes, that, that is another really fun parade. Yeah, although it's really short because it's just one block. One block. Yeah, but it, <laughs> it, takes a, around it takes a while, of... though. It takes a while. Yeah, it does. Yeah, you go slow. Wow. Yep. Technically, it's like four blocks, right? Because you're going around the square. <laughs> yes, it is technically four blocks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dev, for coming on and, and lining this out for us. Oh, happy to. Are you open to people contacting you with questions yeah please um i will put my email address i'll send you guys my email address okay 
So please share that as well. We'll put that in the show notes and we'll have a link to this document in the show notes and uh, you guys can go check it out and try to figure out how to, if you're interested or curious about how to get your nonprofit up and running, then go check that out and, or talk to Dev. Sweet. Great. Thanks, Dev. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. We've got um, links to everything he talked about on our website, www.thebrazilianbeat.com. He's got a Facebook page, Dev Namby on Facebook. Um, you can also find his blog at devnamby.com. We talked about it at the top of the show. I highly recommend it. You can also check out Vamala at vamala.org. Shout outs today. I would like to give a shout out to someone I met online, Jackson Lapes, Rhymes with Grapes. <laughs> he is a Marca 2 aficionado over in England, and he also has a radio show. It's called The Worm Disco Club. We'll have a link to it. It's on Mixcloud.com. It was cool. He plays uh, Brazilian stuff, some Cuban stuff mixed in with other interesting electronica stuff, and he even had like a... a uh, a Muppet Show song in there. That was cool. Um, so anyway, go check that out. Jackson Lapes. Worm Disco Club. Also, another shout out to Joe Goglia. Um, he got a article published in the PASIC PAS Percussive Arts Society magazine publication that they have. If you go to page 46 of that magazine, you can check out his article that he wrote about Tambourim. We have a link to that on our website, so go check that out. Thank you, Joe, for sending us that. Also, another shout-out. Huge shout-out to Aaron Dwyer. He has an egg shaker egg shaker app for iPhone called Real Shaker, so you go check that out. We have a link also to that. You may, It's so that you can shake your iPhone, and it sounds like an egg shaker. I guess it's pretty realistic. I don't know, because I don't have an iPhone. Yeah, <laughs> but if I did... I, I, I had it on a previous iteration of iPhones, and yeah, I thought it was really cool. And for some reason, I don't have it on on this phone, but yeah. You got to go get it. Check it out. Hi, folks. This is Courtney. I'm going to butt in here and do a secret shout-out to Diana. So since we released the last episode, Diana's had a birthday. And I just wanted to say, Diana, this has been wonderful. I love that we do this podcast together. I've loved getting to know you more and more over the last three years, and... Um, yeah, you're an important person in this community and I appreciate the fact that you um, wanted to do this and that we've been doing it for so long and, and all of your tireless efforts that you put into it. Thank you so much. And um, uh, here's to a new year and more episodes. Okay, love you. So another plug we want to make today is for a um, GoFundMe for our friend Michael Gold from uh, California Brazil Camp. Michael has is one of the longtime uh, folks that goes to Brazil camp and works at Brazil camp. He is an excellent sound man and musician. And unfortunately, over I believe the Thanksgiving holiday, he had a storage um, locker where he had a ton of his music equipment um, stolen. Um, and so there is a GoFundMe called the Michael Golds. Golds is G-O-L-D-S, just like the color. Michael Gold's Music Equipment Theft Recovery Fund and um, trying to make some, uh, collect some funds to 
try to replace some of the items that he had in there. It's Michael is a big contributor to all kinds of events throughout California, and man, this is a big uh, loss. So, it, tragic. Yeah, if you can pitch in anything, that would be great. It's also we've posted this on our Facebook page. So, Michael Gold's Music Equipment Theft Recovery Fund. And he he not only like plays music around, he creates these beautiful spaces. I, yeah. I don't know how to describe it other than that. Like he does jazz camp a lot you guys know at brazil camp and he has lights set up and on the way walk through the river to jazz camp he's got these jazz tent multi- jazz tent sorry jazz camp <laughs> he's got these multicolored lights on the path that kind of light your way out there and it's just and then you get there and it's like it's a little oasis yeah it's amazing it's amazing like lit up paradise that he he creates so and i know he does that in other areas and does other interesting cool events and makes magical experiences for people just because that's who he is so um definitely if if you have a little bit of extra money go um go check that out also if you have extra money (laughs) 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 we are starting a patreon um what would you call it Patreon page account uh, page. We're starting a Patreon account and Patreon is a way for people to support um, projects like the one we're doing. And the reason why right now we're asking for support and we haven't in the past is because our website hosting is coming up. So we're gonna have to pay that bill. We also need new microphones and we'd like to get some like clip on lapel microphones. Also, I'm going to be in Brazil coming up uh, this February, and I would like to hire some translators to help me interview, um, some professional translators to help me interview some of these awesome people I'm going to be coming into contact with. Uh, So if you have some extra cash, I know this time of year everyone's giving gifts and it might be a little low on cash, but if you have anything extra, please uh, check out our Patreon page. We haven't actually made it yet, but But it'll be up soon. Yeah, and we'll post that all over our social media and, you know, not just now, but, you know, if maybe in the future you have some money after taxes, if you're in the U.S., <laughs> you might want to kick down a little um, because we, we think what we're doing is worthwhile and great for the community. And um, so we can do it our own horn. You know, we'd like to continue this. And, um, yeah, it would be great to get some help. Yeah. New microphones would be good. Yeah, mine really sucks right now. We've been having, even just today, some some uh, technical difficulties yeah. with Diana's microphone. So, yeah, that would that'd be awesome. And speaking and speaking of um, Courtney's trip to Brazil, actually, I wanted to go this year, but not able to go uh, for various reasons. But we already are lining up interviews for Courtney, um, and really excited about that. So, oh man, look for more in two, two thousand nineteen. Everybody, keep your fingers crossed because it's going to be awesome. If, if I can pull these <laughs> off, holy crap! Poop in my pants over here. <laughs> Please don't. Thing <laughs> <laughs> we're on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't break the mystery. Most people think we're in the same room. Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> First bubble. <of all. laughs> um, so anyway, yeah. Keep listening. We've been a little bit behind on things just because things get busy. Courtney's got her new business going. I've got other things going. So. Um, yeah, sorry for the delay in episodes, but we want to keep turning these out. And we still love you. We do. Send us messages. We'd love to hear from you guys. We have a Facebook page. It's the Brazilian Beat 
podcast. We have our Twitter. We are Brazilian Beat One. If you'd like to send us any messages or suggestions, music, videos, you can send that via our, via our email, thebrazilianbeat at gmail.com. Look for us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you name it. And also you can find um, Courtney's Go Samba um, Instagram and Facebook mm-hmm. out there. For our podcast, you can, of course, stream it on our website, thebrazilianbeat.com. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, Google Podcasts, Player FM, and maybe there's some other ones out there. Let us know if you know of other podcast players that uh, you use. And that's it. Thank you for listening, everybody. Ciao.